When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Prepare to win with PFF Fantasy. Use PFF's exclusive rankings, projections, advanced statistics, and more to win your draft in August and set the best lineups through the end of the regular season. Made special for the podcast listeners, use PFF promo code 49ERSPOD to save 20% on PFF's Edge or Elite subscription anytime between now and the end of the season. Go to PFF.com to sign up today. to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. Welcome back to another episode of the 49ers Rush Podcast. I'm your host, John Chapman, and man, it is still a great week for several reasons, but one, today's episode, we are going to go in-depth snap counts, target rates, <laughs> how many pressures allowed by O-linemen, basically just an all-out offensive episode of the 49ers win over the Cowboys 17-9 that happened just Saturday night, but we did our recap episode, and this is kind of the pace and schedule we will be in during regular season, so even for the 49ers Rush podcast, it's still preseason, but the goal is to hit four episodes a week, one recap episode, one offensive breakdown, one defensive breakdown, and then one kind of getting ready for the next week. So that's what we got today. It's going to be all out offense, and we've got a lot of stuff to cover, so it's going to be a lot of fun, and if at any point you have questions or concerns or want something talked about on the pod please do not hesitate to reach out twitter is definitely the best way you can reach me at jl underscore chapman or you can email us and that's going to be 49ers rush podcast at gmail.com so we've got a lot of stuff going on today so let's just jump right into it and we have another transaction you know sean coleman went down he, he made it through four snaps he gets rolled on by Najee torin and it dislocates his ankle, and fractured parts of his fibula. So he makes the move to IR. So what that means is, basically the earliest that Sean Coleman could come back, which I think his entire year is done, but he could come back eight weeks after the season starts. So even though he goes on now, that doesn't qualify as any of the qualifying weeks. You get two players a year that are designated to return. Just two short years ago, the NFL changed the rules to where if you were on IR, you were done for the year. You didn't get play anymore. But the good thing about it was you didn't count against the 53-man roster. Well, they went ahead and changed it slightly to where you get two players each year that are designated to return. Now, you don't have to qualify them at the start of their injury. You get a wait, but he the bare minimum he will miss now with the 49ers is eight weeks. Now, 
if we just cut Sean Coleman, then he could be picked up by another team, let's say the Saints, and he could start for them, whatever. So those IR designated tag rules only apply to the team that tagged you. So again, just to further drive home that point, uh, staying with the Saints, let's say somebody gets hurt with the Saints and they designate they put them on ir but then come to an injury settlement and cut them we could sign them and start them much earlier than that so the ir designation does not transfer across teams it just stays with the team that gave that designation that's probably too much information but it's what we're going to do now once we moved him over we went ahead and got some offensive tackle depth of our own we brought over sam young offensive tackle he is kind of a journeyman throughout the nfl he was drafted in the sixth round by the Cowboys a long time ago, but he is a nine-year vet and has only started 21 games in that time. He was with the Dolphins for the last few years, started one game last year, six foot eight, 302 pounds out of Notre Dame. He's just competition for that swing tackle spot, but again, I, I don't think he's going to have much of a chance to be more than a camp body. And We did saw, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, but, you know, the offensive tackle, Willie Beavers, he's not going to be a guy we can rely on as that sw backup swing tackle, even in preseason. You don't want him getting your quarterbacks hurt. So what we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and go th process through this, and we're going to start off, we're going to bounce around, just talk kind of starters, uh, highest grades, lowest grades, things like that then we're going to dive more into the positions themselves so uh, the first part of this episode is all offense together then we'll go through quarterbacks running backs wide receivers slash tight ends and make our way to o-line at the end of the episode you got to give the big guys some loves we've got a lot of good and bad for every single category now the way that this game started out with the cowboys let's just go through our initial starting lineup and again not much to look into here. Not a lot to read out of this besides the rotation. You know, the Cowboys came out with their entire starting offense, um, except for Zeke. Yeah, Zeke is in Mexico still. But the 49ers send out their second and third team. Uh, up front at the offensive line, we had Sean Coleman. We're going left tackle all the way through right tackle. So Sean Coleman, Daniel Brunskill, Wesley Johnson, Najee Torin, and Justin School are rookie. Now, we went with a two tight end set on the opening series with Levine Toilolo and Roz Dwelly. Quarterback was Nick Mullins, running back Raheem Mostert, and our two starting wide receivers to start were Dante Pettis and Richie James. So, you know, coming out with that two tight end set and that 12 personnel, one running back, two tight ends, I think we're going to see that an awful lot this year, especially until those wide receivers kind of differentiate each other from there. Our, our tight end position and even our fullback position with use check is very strong. That is a huge advantage. So if we're, it doesn't matter if it's going to be Kittle and Dwelly or Kittle and Toy Lolo. Those seem to be the three guys right now, but all of them are playing very, very good football. Toy Lolo, one of the best blocking tight ends in the entire NFL. Now what I want to do is let's do best and worst. And I tweeted this out, and a lot of people got mad. Now a lot of this is according to Pro Football Focus grades. Do not take this as gospel. And what I mean by that is what Pro Football Focus does that nobody else in the industry does, and I, I love you know PFF and you heard the ad beforehand, appreciate them sponsoring the show, but the idea is this. They get eyes on every single play, 
and they get several different people to judge that, and they come up with a value based on that play. Well, whether they did well, they did bad, they did nothing, doesn't matter. So even if you disagree with these numbers, which I do, it, Richie James was the number two overall player, and a big reason why that was uh, offensively is because he didn't necessarily make mistakes. PFF's scoring grade is they grade off of mistakes and responsibilities, things like that. So Richie James caught all of his passes, which is great. Um, he, he did have that one drop that was close to a fumble, but they decided they overruled it, and that's fine. But he didn't take advantage of the situations that were there. Did he make giant mistakes? No, he didn't, and so he's got a decent score. So with that said, let's go through these. The number one player was Nick Mullins with a score of 84.6, and we'll talk a little bit about how his stats were so close to CJ's, but why did he get a better grade? The main, the main reason why is PFF puts a very heavy weight on dropped passes, and he had two big dropped passes that hurt him big time. And so because of that, that doesn't count against Nick Mullins. That counts against the wide receivers and or tight end that dropped it, uh, Kendrick Bourne, for example. And so that's going to hurt Kendrick Bourne's score, not the quarterback Nick Mullins. Number two, Richie James with a 77.9. Jalen Hurd, big man, came out 76.5 and a main reason why his score wasn't so much higher is one of the passes that were was intended to him by CJ was the one that was intercepted so again once you realize the way pro football focus grades and scores these things he lost some points on that plus in special teams he lost a couple points as well missed some blocks um if you saw one of the plays, he kind of watched the ball carrier off a kickoff return come out and get hit, and he didn't touch anybody on that drive, which was bad. Now, my favorite thing about that play was as soon as that play was over and after the whistle, he walked up to, I believe it was Richie James or DJ Reed. I don't remember which one specifically, but he walked up and apologized, my bad, my bad, and then came out and scored a touchdown that drive. So <laughs> great way to respond. Rookies are always going to make mistakes, especially in your first preseason game. But the way that he came out and responded was pretty special. Fourth was Debo Samuel with a score of 73.5. And then Najee Torrin. Man, um, he came out and he played all over the place. 31 snaps at right guard, 24 snaps at center, and he dominated in pass pro. Now, he struggled a little bit in the running game, and we're going to go through and talk about all these things. But that just gives you a glimpse at the top five. Now let's flip the script, and let's go from great to worse. I don't think there was really much here. And we'll talk a little bit about each one of these as we go through. But the worst player on the field for either team, and it's not really that close, was Willie Beavers. The left tackle that stepped in for Sean Coleman as soon as he got hurt. Now, I will say this. To go from kind of fourth string, maybe even past that, to going against the Cowboys starters <laughs> is going to be problematic for any fifth, sixth stringer in the NFL, but you don't get sympathy points. You are a pro football player. And if this did happen in a game, uh, I mean, shoot, we remember week one last year where Mike McGlinchey was playing right guard the very first game in his NFL career. And he did not grade out well whenever he moved into guard. That's the NFL. If you're going to be a pro football player, uh, player you've got to be able to handle that adversity and his pass blocking grade was a 27.2 uh, which is really really bad uh, needless to say second to, second worst player was ross reynolds again staying with that interior 
position, 43.7. Malik Henry did not do well. He didn't get a lot of separation, and he was out there for a lot of run blocking plays, and he just got sideswiped. Very, very athletic guy, but a very huge uphill climb. Could be a practice squad guy. He finished with a score of 47.2. Sean Point Dexter, again, another one of those deep wide receivers, 49.8. And Kendrick Bourne, rounding out three wide receivers all in a row, 52.9. And I got to say, you know, outside of the top five, Dante Pettis finished sixth as in sixth worst, with a score of 53.2. Now, the problem with him is he got a lot of separation, but it just nothing really kind of accumulated in that. His blocking wasn't great. He only had 17 total snaps, so a very small sample size, but definitely not the response that you wanted him to have um, in that. So uh, just something to kind of look forward to there and to pay attention to. Now what I want to do is I want to jump to the quarterbacks and just kind of go through how they did versus the blitz and all these things. So again, nothing to take out of their situation. You know, Nick Mullins went ahead and got the start. His box score was 11 for 17 for 105 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Now he did have two drops. He was sacked zero times and he converted five first downs through the air, which is nice. That's really not bad off of 17 passes. And so that's going to put you right at that rate of one out of every three passes is going to get you a first down. It's a little bit above average. He was blitzed six times and went five for six under pressure. And so that's absolutely great. Now, he had lots of amazing passes as you went back and watched film. I think probably the first play of the game was one of his best plays. The pass to Richie James uh, was a little bit high, but Richie James had some room to run. Would have gotten about 18 to 20 yards on the very first play from scrimmage. You know, your first 10 plays to 15 plays are almost always scripted, even going into the preseason, even coming out of the half which is very, very normal. So that's something that Kyle Shanahan saw, a weakness in the defense, and it absolutely worked schematically. Just Richie James couldn't hold on to it. But that was a great pass. His second uh, great pass was to Roz Dwelly. Um, it was dropped. Roz Dwelly graded out very badly as well. But he got lucky because it was a defensive pass interference call, so that wiped that off the the whole sketch there as well. But he looked great out there to start. He obviously had just the awful interception two guys could have picked off that throw but it's what it is and again going back to this you know his two best throws were dropped the one where he hung in the pocket and took just a giant hit 25 yarder down to Kendrick Bourne and he dropped it he just looked scared it looked like he was about to get hit and he didn't like it and so that's huge so for Nick Mullins I, I do have to say I think that he did have a much better game than CJ not to take anything away from CJ but those two drops were huge. You're leaving, you know, an additional 45 yards, if not more, out there on the field. And that would have brought his numbers to 13 to 17. And, you know, that drop ended that drive as well would have put him in field goal range with Kendrick Bourne. Now, if we jump to C.J. Beathard, hey, his numbers were exactly that. 13 of 17, 141 yards. Again, one touchdown, one interception. Just like Mullins, he did receive a sack, which is huge. Pro Football Focus docs 
your score big time on that he had zero six or zero drop passes and six first downs now whenever he was blitzed he blitzed four times throughout the course of the game he went three for three with one sack during that time and this is kind of cj's mo we've seen him play a lot he's played more games than jimmy garoppolo in fact for the 49ers um the problem is he just holds the ball so long he's not an anticipation thrower he has to wait for the person to get open and then he gets the ball out there he just has a hard time getting rid of it and, and that's a problem whenever you're playing with fourth string offensive line you've got to realize where you are and get the ball out quick so he does get killed a lot takes a lot of hits but he's one of the toughest damn quarterbacks in the league he's absolutely incredible now i will say this he did put together an amazing touchdown drive and if you just watch the highlights of the game especially cj's passes uh, on one drive he had the uh, the deep ball to debo which was just an amazing catch it was underthrown big time should have been a touchdown pass but that's okay he gave his player a chance he kept the deep ball inside uh in bounce and debo went up and does what he did he gets the ball in jump ball situations then he also had the great back shoulder fade to jalen hurt so that's great now the best pass of the day for cj was wiped away on a holding call it was a deep pass to richie james and it was absolutely incredible but again wiped away by a holding call which we saw a lot of those now i don't want to touch talk too much about spate he did all right but there's not really much to take away positive or negative with what he brought about but not a bad game he's fighting for a practice squad spot and I don't see him getting a lot of snaps at any point in the preseason because the real competition for the 49ers, they know what they have in spate. And they want to see who's going to win the backup between Mullins and between CJ. And they don't want the rest of the NFL to know how good Spade is because he's going to be our practice squad quarterback unless he gets picked up somewhere else. I doubt that he will. Uh, it's a possibility, but whenever you're an undrafted free agent quarterback, everybody likes to groom their guy to their system. This is exactly what we did last year with Nick Mullins. We did the same thing the year before with Driscoll, who's the probably number two or number three backup quarterback for the Bengals right now. You know, we've got backups all over the place because people want quarterbacks that have experience with our system but usually you like to groom your guy and Kyle Shanahan is the definition of a I want my guys here <laughs> anytime we bring in a free agent or sign any new person addition wise you can make the connection to somewhere on this coaching staff, especially Kyle Shanahan, especially on offense. So just keep that in mind. Space going to be around with us. I doubt we'll pick somebody else up. He will be on our practice squad. You have to keep, you don't have to keep a quarterback, but everybody does. Now let's jump over to running backs. Um, as I said earlier, you know, Raheem Mostert got to start. He didn't get a lot of playing time because he went out with that concussion very, very quickly, which unfortunately, you know, that's just kind of be it's what it is but we no matter how much running back depth we have it never seems to work uh, we've we've already looking like Jarek mckinnon might go to ir which is an absolute bummer because if we didn't activate him off the pup for that one day he could have stayed on he would have transitioned to the pup uh reserved list which would have meant he would have missed six games at the most and could have came back but because he got one practice in, he is now no longer allowed to be placed on the pup for the regular season or that initial 53. So it's going to be active roster 
it's going to be IR or it's going to be cut. Those are the only three options that you can do with Jarek McKinnon. So if you choose to keep him on the active roster, he counts against your 53. He's just not going to suit up. So he's going to be one of your, you know, six inactives that you have. So how do you want to do that? You know, it's, it's kind of where it's at. So it's going to be IR or you just kind of keep them around. I doubt you're going to cut them because you don't really save any money. So it's going to be interesting. I think that he'll be able to be back at some point, but I think probably a best case scenario is four to five weeks into the season. So IR seems to be a spot. Now you've got Matt Breida and you've got Tevin Coleman, who we haven't seen in the preseason, but those two are going to be the guys. You would like Raheem Mostert to be the third guy. Well, he's out with a concussion. Okay, well, then you'd like Jeff Wilson Jr. to be the next guy. Well, he's got a calf issue. And so because of that, we've got two guys that we just added in Austin Walter and Wilds to go out there, and that's kind of where we're at. And so we've in Wilds, we picked up, you know, Brandon Wilds. He came in the day of. Now, he had experience with Kyle Shanahan, so he understood the situation. But as far as snaps go, Austin Walter got 14, Brandon Wilds got 19, Raheem Mostert got 8. So that kind of lets you know how that is. Um, the grades weren't great or bad for any of them. Wilds had the best grade with a 68.3, Walter 60.1, and Raheem Mostert 59.9. Running backs didn't have the best game, but again, Brandon Wilds definitely the best game. He had seven attempts for 29 yards. He only got one first down on seven rushes, which is rough, and only one of those carries was for 10 plus yards. Having said that, a lot of the drives he was in was when we were getting back-to-back-to-back penalties. So the first down, the lack of first downs makes sense because he just couldn't, he was in such a hole and it was so far to get to the first down marker. He had 20 yards created after contact. So basically, I mean, self-explanatory, but as soon as the first defender engaged with him, 20 of the 29 yards were his own creation which is great. And it was pretty cool because the first run that he went in there was a huge game right up, you know, the middle. And I, I said, you know, first run of the game, welcome, sir. Big game, just signed today. Kid looked good and he made some nice cuts. And who knows with all these injuries, I'd be curious to see if he's going to get snaps before Austin Walter next week. Now, Walter came in on the third drive just after Raheem Mostert's concussion. And he did all right. 13 attempts for 38 yards, nothing special. But our offensive line, again, struggled mightily run blocking uh, this week. Uh, Pass pro was all right. You know, they only gave up one sack, but there were just zero holes. And if you look at the run grades up and down the line, which we'll talk about, they were pretty poor. They were very, very bad. Now, he was able to convert three different runs for first downs, which is great out of 13 carries. He had one 10-plus yard run as well and had 25 yards created after contact of 38. So that means the offensive line only gave him you know, 13 yards. He created another 25. Nothing special but decent. So he seems like he's going to be you know, one of those guys that, hey, uh, he's he's gonna have to figure something out because it just doesn't necessarily seem like you're going to have a spot on this on this team unless you change something you've got to change something now let's uh transition over to the wide receivers okay and again just paying attention to some raw data um we got to start at the top richie james he got the start he had the most targets he had the most catches but he did not have the most yards. 
anytime you get six catches for 31 yards, that's going to be a problem. Now, the good thing is it was on seven targets. So we only had that one drop, which we talked about was the very first play of the game, which was controversial, whatever. But 5.2 yards per reception, I don't care if you're in the slot. I don't care what it is if you're a running back that's not beneficial he did have 20 yards after contact but that was all generated on one play his first four catches he maybe two yards after the catch that was it um his longest play was 12 yards he did get two first downs but there were another two plays that were on third down that he stopped the entire drive where he was tackled short by the very first guy that was there you have to be able to create in that position which is what richie james has always excelled at we just didn't see it this game the quarterback rating when targeting richie james was 85.1 which is very very good um, now let's talk about jalen hurd who only got five targets he caught three of those for 31 yards but what made him special is that he converted those things and he got two touchdowns his longest play of the day was 20 yards and his yards after the catch was 17 his very first touchdown that's what this team needs he gets the ball in open space it was just on a drag to the offensive right side he catches it in a soft spot in the zone and a safety in the corner come up to hit him now both of those guys could have made that tackle but he just said, hell no, he went back to his running back days at Tennessee before he was at Baylor and just crushed him. And that's kind of what's special. Now, the negative about Jalen Hurd, one of the interceptions was targeting him, which is going to hurt him a lot. His quarterback passer rating was 77.9. Now, Debo Samuel staying with the rookie wide receivers. Four targets, two catches. You know, that's going to be a 50% catch percentage. Now, the passes that were going to Debo were much more difficult. So you got to understand that. But the fact that you had two catches and 61 yards is unbelievable. That's a 30 yards per reception. And then you add on to that his reverse as well. That's going to help. But um, he just was a jump ball guy. You know, he had that 145-yard catch that was just unbelievable. Both of his catches went for first down. His reverse went for a first down. So in his three touches, Debo Samuel, he generated three first downs. These are the type of things that are very, very important to, to, to keep track of because it just shows you how explosive of an athlete these guys are. Jalen Hurd gets the ball three times, two touchdowns. Debo Samuel gets the ball three times, three first downs. That is what you want. 95.8 was his quarterback passer rating when targeted. Jordan Matthews didn't really get to do too much. He had one catch for 12 yards on one target. No big deal there. Now, if we jump down to Kendrick Bourne and Dante Pettis, this is could possibly be our starters. I don't think that they should be. I think Pettis should be the starter. Um, but Kendrick Bourne... I believe if he continues to have performances like this in the game where he cannot generate separation at all in the open field, he was blanketed. And you watch you know, his plays. The one time that he got any degree of separation, he dropped a 25-yard pass for a first down. So he's going to have to either generate more space and separation, which Kyle Shanahan loves. And he, Kyle Shanahan said this several times. You either generate separation with your body meaning there's a lot of space between us. That's what Dante Pettis done, or with your size. And Kendrick Bourne can do that in the red zone. In the open field, it just doesn't seem his speed is not enough to back up the, the cornerback or the safety or anything like that. He just doesn't get separation. But you get to the end zone, and that whole blocking out thing, that works. So Kendrick Bourne was targeted three times and had one catch 
for 14 yards. So those are bad, bad numbers to say the least. He only created four yards after the catch on his one. Um, He did have one just flat out drop in a 49 quarterback rating when targeted. Dante Pettis, uh, two targets, zero catches. So just nothing good there. And one of the interceptions, in which he was the guy that was targeted, it was just a horrible pass. It had nothing really to do with Dante. It was just a backer dropping in zone. And the quarterback should have never made that play. But unfortunately, that does go towards him. So uh, something to look at for sure there. It's just we got to have guys step up. And I think with the two rookies coming out and doing what they did, This is exciting. I I really do believe that this is a good thing because what it does do is it's going to push those guys like Debo, like Dante Pettis, like Jordan Matthews, like Richie James, like all those guys, Kendrick Bourne. They're going to have to step up their game if they're going to be a part of this team and be starters. Uh, I think they're all going to be part of the team, those top guys. But if you want to start, it's what it is. Now let's uh, transition real quick to tight ends and the big boys up front. Roz Dwelly got the start, only got 18 snaps, nothing too big. He was pretty bad in pass protection, but there's just so much about that guy that just screams, I love him. <laughs> he's so tough. He's he's one of those just grinder guys with amazing effort all the time. And I, I'm curious to see how many more snaps he gets. Toy Lolo went second drive, and he got 14 snaps. Had a drop early, but did great in pass protection. Not too good in run protection, actually. Um, Mayfield did all right. He was out of the fullback, H-back role, kind of that use check role. He was all over the place. Not anything really great. Not anything really bad either. Caden Smith had a pretty bad game. 24 total snaps. He started in the second half. He got a first catch, which was great. The offense was stagnant going into halftime. He comes out and gets a great catch for a first down on third down. That was awesome. Took a big hit. But in the next play, he had a great block on the edge to spring a big run. It was like, all right, this is going to be great. Then he had four negative plays in a row after that. So this is what you're going to have with rookies. It's going to be up and down. It's not always going to be glamorous, but you're hoping that these guys get this out of the way during preseason whenever it doesn't all it doesn't count like it does in the regular season. So excited to see what he can continue to bring. He is in direct competition for a roster spot and I don't think it's going to be as easy as we all anticipated. I don't think that he's a lock for the 53. Um, Tololo offers something that most of the other tight ends don't. Amazing pass protection and Dwelly seems to have the number two spot locked up. So we'll just have to see what happens there. Now, let's jump over to the offensive line, and you've got to give these guys props. They went against the starting defense of the Cowboys for two series. Having said all those things, there were only two pressures, two linemen, sorry, only two total linemen that allowed a quarterback pressure. Uh, That was rookie Justin School, good old Willie Beavers. So Justin School, his uh, pro football focus rating was a 53.3 he played 48 snaps at right tackle which we'd love to see him get lots of work to figure out if he can win that swing tackle job he had one holding call he gave up one quarterback hit and one quarterback hurry so that's two total pressures that justin school gave up he he got pretty he got beat pretty bad on one of the interception thrones that uh mullins threw you know mullins got just drilled as he was throwing it but the interception was not affected by the hit. So sometimes the quarterback gets hit and it changes the trajectory of the throw. That didn't happen. It was his blind side. So it didn't seem like Mullins even saw it. It got there pretty damn quick. 
But um, you've got it like quarterback could have got injured on that. So I don't put the interception on Justin's school, but he got his quarterback killed. So that needs that's a big deal. Um, nice block on an outside toss, which was great. Just kind of symbolized exactly why he fits in this outside zone blocking scheme of Kyle Shanahan. So uh, pretty excited about that. He did get a holding call on a huge first down run. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Willie Beavers because I don't think that he will be around much longer. But three holding penalties, got the quarterback hit several times. Uh, yeah, so take that for what you want. Daniel Brunskill, 31 snaps at left guard, 24 snaps at left tackle. They moved him over just to get him some snaps to give Willie Beavers a break because he was getting killed. Seems like he's going to transition full-time to left tackle, of my own personal opinion. So the, I, I think if we went back up with our backup guys now, my guess would be Brunskill would be at left tackle and School would be at right tackle. So Brunskill, my guess is, will take Sean Coleman's spot on the depth chart. That's just me. He, he's a great run blocker, you know, and that's why he plays guard. He's just not the best pass pro guy. So that's going to be something we're going to have to see. And obviously Najee Torin. You know, I, I talked about just exactly how he played up and down all game. Yeah, but he, he played all over the place. He played at center. 24 snaps and he played at right guard 31 snaps he didn't give up any pressures he did have a penalty he did roll up he got kind of knocked over into sean coleman's leg and is responsible kind of for that I, I don't know how to feel about that but he had an 80 grade in pass blocking at two different spots that's great his problem is just run blocking and, and the problem with Najee torrent is this he's not a guy that's going to get movement and he's not as quick as you would like out of your interior offensive line guys. But he doesn't give up movement either. He, he's kind of a smaller guy that anchors very, very well. And so just something to pay attention to. Ross Reynolds played awful 40 um, snaps from the left guard position. And just it, it just wasn't good. He had the lowest grade in pass protection with a 17.8. Now what's interesting is this. He didn't really give up pressures, but a lot of those uh, calls were against him. And he had help a lot of those plays and was chipped from the backfield. Like, we basically had to spot him everywhere he was at on the field, which is something that we're going to have to pay attention to with Ross Reynolds. He he struggled mightily. Um, it's just what it is. And run block, it just was a bad game. So take that for what you want. So that's going to kind of wrap up our show. Now, we do have a game coming up very soon, which is great. They will be playing a Monday night football game at Denver, which is going to be a lot of fun. And this week, actually, we have two joint practices, Friday and Saturday, in Denver. They are both open practices. And I got to tell you this. If you have the opportunity, you are in the Denver area, go to these. These are the best things about training camp are these joint practices. Because you're going to see the number ones go a lot more than you will in the preseason game. Coaches love joint practices because you can guarantee you can have your ones out there and your quarterbacks won't get hit and all of your skill players don't get taken to the ground. But it's a much truer indication, and this is what Kyle Shanahan came out and said as well. They're so much more valuable and we get so much more out of them because we control the tempo and we don't have to worry about injury near as much. 
So joint practices Friday, Saturday, and the Monday night game against Denver will be at 5 p.m. Really, really excited about this. So just want to say thanks. The next episode will be an all-out defensive episode. Sorry if I went a little long for some of you guys. But uh, our nerds, our 49er nerds, we need our stats, damn it. And uh, I'm going to keep bringing that to you. And we will have a big episode again just coming up soon. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.